I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Hello folks, welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch on the Ginger and Dutch podcast here. Shout out to our, uh, our sponsor Callaway Golf, as always, uh, starting off every episode with a, a shout out to them for all their sponsorship and we look forward to more along the way. So, Dutchy, come on in here and uh, how are things my friend? Doing pretty good. I'm excited to be uh, actually doing this together live for the first time outdoors. You can hear the birds chirping in the background, uh, it's kind of like being at, uh, at Augusta. Hello, friends. Ready to Welcome. Roll. Yeah, we're ready to go live outside for the first time here. So, um, yeah, we're excited. We're doing this uh, social distancing style, but together face-to-face, which is a first for us, and we're excited to do so. So, Dutch, I wanted to hop right in on, uh, and change it up a little bit as to our regular routine and, and hop right into the NFC North. I know that's a close topic to your heart. Studying and it all week. Studying it all week, man. And I want to do uh, to get right into it. I believe it's my turn to go first tonight. Is that correct? It is. It is. Uh, tell me how it ended up last year. Perfect. So I'll, I'll do the little review for our listeners out there. 2019, we'll start from the basement and go up. So we had the Detroit Lions at 3-12-1. Tough year. Couldn't stay healthy. And uh, potentially uh, the decline of Matt Stafford, some would say. The uh, Chicago Bears, slow start, finished 8-8, eight eight, uh, but still a mess. The Minnesota Vikings, 10-6, and six, started out hot, had a tough schedule coming in in the home stretch and, and got into uh, a 10-6 and six and actually won a playoff game. Yep. And then the Green Bay Packers were the uh, the class of the, uh, the division and pretty much close to the class of the NFC. And uh, we're 13-3 in 2019. So moving forward to 2020, a lot has actually changed in this division. I still find it hard to believe that that Green Bay finished thirteen and three last year. Thirteen and three, yeah, it was a, a different brand of football for yeah. Green Bay, and um, I think they're going to continue that brand of football moving forward after seeing what they've done here in the in the off season. So, as Ginger always does, he'll start from the basement up, and we'll go two thousand twenty, and what I think is going to happen here in the the NFC North. It's going to be another competitive year in a competitive division, but um, I still think the the class of the division is still the the top two teams that were there last year. I'll start with my bottom team, Dutchie. Uh, the Chicago Bears. They're uh, really, eh? they're a stone cold hot mess. Uh, just they've they've added they've added a nice pass rusher and and Robert Quinn coming over from the from the Rams, and they've still got a good defense. Akeem Hicks, Eddie Jackson. They lost um, too much, though, man. They they they're in major salary cap issues, right? They they can't do much. They lost Prince. They lost Kyle Long to retirement. Clinton uh, Dix, too much, I think. And I, I mean, we don't have to talk about quarterbacks, but yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Foles is going to be any better than Trubisky? Or you think? I mean, they're going to fight for the job, but who do you think is going to ultimately get it? Yeah, I think that the where it lies with me is the fact that I think they were smoke and mirrors even two years ago. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they they relied on the defense and relied on the turnover game. I think they were like plus 30 some odd turnovers that year in, yeah. in 2018. That was a fluke year. It was sure. a fluke year. Yeah. <clears throat> we go to next, last year, okay, you squeeze in at 8-8, eight, eight eight, but I don't have any confidence in Trubisky or 
fools. So you got them at the bottom, eh? I got them at the bottom at five and eleven. I got no confidence in their playmakers. Um, Tariq Cohen's one hit away. David Montgomery was supposed to be the next big hit at running back. Didn't Come on, man. Much, so. <laughs> Jimmy Graham. <laughs> and of course, you knew I was going to mention him. Uh, he'd be in passed around oh, um, in the division. Pretty soon he'll be uh, next year. He'll be in the, with the Vikings or the Lions, probably. They spent way too much money on him, anyways, Van. Uh, right? Well, sixteen million. That's right. Stupid. Yeah, and they just didn't have enough draft capital to make any sort of moves. You know, you're drafting a tight end at forty three, who's really not that much of a game changer. Yeah, they gave him nine million guaranteed. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous for what his production's been the last couple of years. Yeah. So I got them coming in at five and eleven. Okay. Well, we're a bit different there. Yep. Um, then I'll move on to a third place team. I think they're going to make significant improvements. I think it's a put up or shut up year for Matt Patricia and Daryl Bevel in uh, in Detroit. And I think they've made some changes. And I think this is the New England Patriots of the North of of the NFC. He's got his guys now. There's no excuse for Patricia. You look at what he's got on defense. He's got a uh, draft Okuda with a third overall pick. He picks up Desmond Trufant after losing Slay. He's got Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, Trey Flowers, Deron Harmon. Like, this is just the Patriots all over again um, on defense. So he's going to go man-to-man on the outside, and he's going to create pressure with that front seven, and this is it for him. And then I like what they did in the draft by drafting DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. I thought he was the best back in the draft. And I still think they got some decent playmakers if they can stay healthy. And if Stafford can throw the ball decent, I think they can show a little bit of improvement. I don't have them doing too much playoff-wise, but I've got them up to 8-8 eight and eight and making a little bit of a step, and maybe Patricia will keep his job. I think you're crazy. I think I think you're crazy. I got them at the bottom. I got them winning only four games, Max. Uh, I know what he's trying to do, but you know if you look at everybody they lost, you already said it, Slay, Harrison. The big, the big brothers, or not brothers, but Harrison. Sorry, I said Harrison Robinson on the D line. Yep. They lost. They lost too many. You all know. Everybody knows. No, nobody wants to play there. So they're 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 tough to get some of these big free agent guys, right? You said it. True font. They got Jamie Collins. I know where we're going down that road. You're going down the Patriot way, but I just don't think there's enough pieces there, period, for them to make any improvement. So I got them at the bottom of the list. I got them at 4-12. and 12. And then I have the Bears. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be because of Nick Foles, but I just think they've got a, a, a decent enough defense to get themselves in and around that 500 level again, and uh, I got them at 8-8. Eight and eight. That's, yeah. that's where I got for the bottom two. But but what we got to keep in mind, Dutch, is that Matt Stafford was out for for almost three quarters of the year. I believe it was nine or ten yeah, games yeah. that he missed. Yeah. And this is an, an elite quarterback. I'm not saying a, a top five quarterback by any means, but you know Matt Stafford is a top ten quarterback when healthy in the NFL. And right, and when healthy is key, though, man. He hasn't been healthy the last four years. He's had he's been injury ridden all the way through. Played through injuries, and I can't say he, he can. He's a warrior, and we we know it. We're not going to call him. They don't call him Pat Stafford for nothing. I mean, he's he is a warrior. He's he's a he's a fourth quarter guy. He has had a lot of comebacks on that, but I don't know. I think his time's up as well. I think his time's up, and and I just I can't see them. Uh, maybe I could sneak in one more win there, but. I can't see them getting anywhere uh, past the cellar. Yeah, Voila. I I just think that they've done enough offensively on the offensive line with with um, you know bringing in some help there um, in the fourth and fifth rounds of the draft, and then with Swift coming out and Carry On Johnson. I think it's going to be a little bit. And Daryl Bevel, you know him. You've you've had him as your offensive coordinator in in Minnesota. He's a get rid of the ball quick type of guy, and I think this could possibly help Stafford later on in his career. Um, to get the ball out a little bit quicker, not 
you know, wait for Calvin Johnson to run 40 yards downfield and air it out yeah, to him. Yeah. Um, or toss it up to Galladay. Um, I think they're going to go a little bit quicker. And I think a little bit that will have to do with the p- progression of TJ Hawkinson, the tight end coming back again off of injury. Like, they were just decimated last year. And I think went a little bit healthier this year, they can make a step. Yeah, you make a good point. You may, I, I really do hope it's a little more competitive. I hope as much as I don't want them to, you know, get up to where we th- where I think the Vikings are going to get to. Um, it would be nice to, you know, be back talking about that. That was the, the one of the tougher divisions, right? Yep, for sure. And it's it's always a division that, uh, when I look at the NFL, I always look at it as a division that it you, when it lines up on any schedule, whether it's the AFC playing them in the NFC or the NFC playing interconference opponents. You never want to have a road game at any of those spots. Yeah. Um, you know, Detroit's probably the only spot where you would feel a little bit comfortable being indoors. But you, yeah. ne- you never. You're always circling Green Bay because it's outside. Um, Minnesota's a tough spot to play in that new stadium. And Chicago, you never want that late in the year, especially if you're uh, a team from the south. So it, it's. A, I find it's a division that people are still in fear of, even though yeah. it might not be the best on a year-to-year basis, uh, depending on what you get. Yeah. So let's move on to your beloved Vikings here, Dutch. All right. I know you're not going to like this opinion, but I'll just read you a few names off here. Diggs, Treadwell, Griffin, Linval Joseph. Now we get to the secondary. Rhodes, Alexander, Sendejo. I know he was old and never <laughs> shaped yes. and, and washed yeah, up. So, but so is Rhodes. So is Rhodes, but keep yeah. going. Uh, Trey Waynes. Uh, I, you, know, you know everybody you've lost on that team. Um, yes, they've they, they did a decent job drafting. They had the most draft picks, I believe, in the in the draft. They got a good haul, um, even though they put up the wrong picture of uh, Jeff Gladney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we heard that from you. But, but they picked up some. They they did pick up some guys too. I know they lost a, a, a couple guys, right? I I know you just laid laid it all out to me and and basically buried our defensive line. But they still have the big man. They still got one of the best edge guys on the board in Hunter. Yep. Um, Odin, I, I can't pretty even pronounce his name. Odin Negbo, he was a rotational guy last year. He had s- seven sacks. They think that he's going to be able to replace replace Griffin. Okay, um, they added some depth with um, uh, Anthony uh, Zettel. Yep. Right. They picked him up. Um, I know the O line's still weak, and it was one of the weakest in the division last year. But keep going. Tell me what you tell me where you got him. Yeah, and I think you're you're right. They they did have had some positional depth. I'm just worried that defensively, it's just too much for Hunter to handle. He's going to see double and triple teams every weekend, week out, and that big time purple pe- people eater uh, Vikings defense pass rush uh, will not be there. Zimmer will have to scheme a little bit for to get pressure. And I'm just not trusting the back end with it being so young now. But you don't like their offense still? Like their offense is, I mean, I know you're not a big Cousins fan, but their offense is still. Yeah, they've got some. Can't, you can't argue that it's not, maybe I'm a little biased here, but I got, I think they're top five, six, seven maybe in the league for offense. They I mean, they've got, you know, arguably the best running back in the game. They still have some amazing weapons. Rudolph's got to have a big year. I know he's the tight end, but he had a he came on real strong at the end there, and he's got to have a real big year for them to be successful. Um, obviously, they replaced Diggs. I, I I still think their offense is is good enough to get them at least at least. I, well, I know where I have them, so we'll wait to. I'll tell you where my uh, whatever you want to call it, my final pick is on it. But yeah, I think I think 
they 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 made an effort to replace these pieces on offense. I just don't think they it's gonna make out the same way as what they had at last year. Stephon Diggs is a is a top ten NFL receiver, consistently gets separation. I just don't see Justin Jefferson coming out of LSU and having that same effect. Wide receivers, you know better than any, always take two or three years to develop, and and there's not many guys out there that come in and produce right away. It yeah. takes some time. Yeah. And I've got the Vikings coming in an eight and eight on the fact that I think Dalvin Cook's going to hold out for four games, and I think they're going to struggle coming out of the gate with a one and that's three. That's the only to reason why. To yeah, start. That's and, the only reason why you can have them there because I think you're crazy. Other than that, there's no way you can have them as an eight and eight team. There's no way unless unless Cook's holding out. And I want to talk about the schedule real quick, and then then we'll talk about Green Bay. So I have the Vikings at eleven and five. In fact, finishing with the same record as Homer. Uh, a little bit, but you know what? That's okay. You can pick on me there. And I think they win the tiebreaker. And I'm on. And I'm going to say schedule. You know, I all right. Let's I, hear it. I looked at. I know, last you, I know you break it down. You're a big schedule I guy am, for our I listeners am. out there. I am. And I I looked at it where they stood last year, and I look at where they are this year. And this is why the NFL's to me the best sport because there's no other sport in the league where you can say. That game one might be a must-win for the Minnesota Vikings. Correct. There's only 16 games, and they all mean just as much as the other. They start off, I'm only going to do the first seven, and I'll do them quick. They're home to Green Bay. Huge. Last year they started on the road to Green Bay. It was huge. So they're home to Green Bay, and then check this schedule out. It's ugly. At the Colts, home to the Titans, at the Texans, at the Seahawks, home to the Falcons, at Green Bay, before they finally get it, what I like to think is the cakewalk, being home to the Lions. So you're talking, if they can get four and uh, sorry five and three out of that, uh, four and four, five and three, that's eight games. That's a tough schedule. Yep. No the rest of it's a cakewalk. So I'm thinking that that they can get to 11-5 because when you they you know they get the Bears two times, they get the Lions again. They have a three three game homestand. I really like where they sit if they go there because I want to I want to jump in real quick to the Green Bay and I'll just say how their schedule goes because theirs is is challenging as well. They're they're obviously at the Vikings. Then they got home to the Lions. Then it goes at Saints, home to Atlanta. At Tom Brady and the Bucks, at the Texans, and then they're home to the Vikings, and then they're at San, San Francisco, Fran, which is a prime time game, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're looking at that's they're four and four. They're going to be they should be nip and tuck right there. Then I see Minnesota taking it to the next level because of that schedule there. And then we can talk about Green Bay and why you feel they're they're number one. Yeah, and I think I think. You, you nailed on it. Is, is the, those first eight games are huge, and and you take Cook out of those four, three or four of those games, and look out. Like you're you're right. You could right. be looking at two and six. You, you could be, be done. Your seasons. And five. You and I both know that if Dalvin Cook's not starting week one, they're eight and eight at best. At best. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's Kubiak's offense, right? He's now in charge there, and yep. um, you know they shipped out Stefanski, and um, you know he's going to run the ball. And play action off of it. He may move cousins a little bit here and there, and that's what their game plan is going to be. And 
I guess my 8-8 eight eight relies on the fact that I just don't see Dalvin Cook playing 16 football games for the Minnesota Vikings this year, and, right. and uh, that's where I'm going to keep him yeah, at. Makes sense. That makes sense if he's not going. And then I'm going to throw you for a loop here. I'm going to put the Green Bay Packers in first place at 10-5-1. I think they're going to have a tie along the way, Dutch. I'm calling it right nice, now. Nice. Put it out there. Yeah, there's some probably some great odds on that for our listeners out there. So um, if looking for a little Green Bay tie, I got a, a gut feeling, gut reaction. So, I we're, so we're feeling the same. At least we're feeling the same on the record because I had him at eleven and five. So correct. You, so we're correct. feeling the same. You just yep. you're just worried about uh, Cook and company. Okay, yeah, yep. yeah. I, I, I see them definitely a little bit lighter um, this year. I, I don't see them winning thirteen games this year. Not with that schedule. Yeah, and neither do I. I think the schedule's tough, and I think that uh, they have lost some pieces along the way. Um, mostly depth guys, but some nice depth guys. Yeah, well, Belago is huge, though. Yep, Belago is Martinez, Martinez Fackrell, Geronimo Allison. So there was some some nice little pieces there that, that left and, and moved on. But um, Let me ask you the big question, though. <laughs> is Aaron Rodgers going to throw the bloody football to Besides Devonta Adams, don't tell me Devin Bunches is going to be the, the, uh, going to be a ninety reception guy. No, no, and I, there's I'm nobody. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to insult the intelligence of our listeners because I know we got a lot of big football fans that that oh, follow man. us along the way and respect our opinion. What I will tell you is this, though: the Green Bay Packers and Matt Lafleur are changing over, and and the changeover happened obviously in the first round of this year's draft. They know that Rogers' father time is catching up to Mr. Rogers. We all know that, and uh, father time can be mean at times. But what you've seen here is is that they've still got a decent offensive line. They've drafted some help along the way. John Runyon in the sixth round. There's a that's a sleeper. I'm calling it right now. Uh, Dutch. Okay. Uh, the bloodline is there out of Michigan in the sixth round, and I know uh, most of our listeners would have turned the draft off at that point. But that's a sneaky, nice little pick. They go ahead and they get a big bruising back in A.J. Dillon at Boston College. And they are going to run the football. And they're going to play old school football. They know how good their defense Rogers is. Rodgers going to allow that, though. He's going to have no choice. Well. I think we saw a little bit of that. They've got a three-headed monster at running back now. He's still got Jones, still got Williams. Now you had a bruiser in Dillon. Um, we know the defense. We don't need to go through the pieces there. You've got the Smith brothers. You've got Frank Clark now. You've got a top-five cornerback in Alexander developing on the outside. Um, you've added Wagner to replace Balaga. This roster is just deep. Yeah. And the way I look at those receivers, and I've got some names over here on my little sheet, Dutch, because I know we're doing it live here, and you'll get a kick out of these names here. But I look at Aaron Rodgers and his receiving crew the same way I looked at Peyton Manning and his guys. Let me just say a few names. Jerome Payton, Dallas Clark, Austin Colley, Brandon Stokely. All of these guys were nobodies. And Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts made them into people that we may know now, or some of our listeners do know. Yeah, but you're... Lazar, Equanimous St. Brown. The list can go on and on. Yeah, Devin Funches. Scantling. Yeah. Scantling. Th- these are all guys that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, they just make. And, and they don't necessarily have to be great because when you got a great quarterback, like Brady, like Manning, like Breeze, it just works. And they can throw you open and they see the field better than everybody else does. But I just think Rodgers' style is different. And I know he's a Super Bowl champion. And I know he's been there. And I know he's been an MVP before. But I just... I don't think he's. I, I I love the analogy with the players. I I do, but I 
don't see anything with those guys. Like they didn't. Uh, okay, yeah, they were thirteen and three last year. I get it, but it wasn't all offense, and it wasn't all those names that you just mentioned. There, no, it right? wasn't. No, it wasn't the defense. It was exactly what Roger said, though, in week one. He went on that. We have a defense. defense. Yep. We have a defense. And yep. he told everybody that, and he put him on unaware right from week one, and he wasn't wrong. He yep. was correct. And when you got a defense, I know we all love the quarterback, and we all think it's a passing league, but there's a shift right now in the NFL. You look at the teams that are, have been successful, um, other than the Kansas City Chiefs who, who did it their own way, but we argued in week 12 when we were out watching a primetime game, and I believe it was the Packers-Vikings primetime game, and, yeah. and I said to you, I said, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs from Week 7, and they are a top-10 defense. Yeah, we did argue that. And you laughed at me. Yeah, we argued and that. And that's, that's still the formula. Yeah, these sexy quarterbacks in Mahomes and, and all these guys are, are all fine and dandy, but um, you know, running the football and playing good defense still works in the NFL. It may not win you the, the ultimate prize, but it yeah. can make you pretty darn good and, and get you to some big games. Yeah. Um, so... That's that's where I've got the North settling out. All right. Well, before we before we get into our next topic, I just wanted the the big news uh, the day, the big news of the day. Uh, Madden cover, Madden cover. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Jackson Lamar. running on the sand, avoiding the uh, the CD. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, I saw that. But uh, so yeah, he was on there. And uh, what else was big news today? Uh, Shanahan, um, he got an extension. I yep. saw that uh, yep. to 2025. So those are kind of the cool uh, news for the NFL. So. And, and as always, as we know in the NFL, and we always talk about it, and all these predictions and projections that we've been making along the way, they can all be thrown out the window by what happened to um, Pro Bowl guard Brandon Brooks of the Philadelphia Torn Eagles. ACL. Torn yeah. ACL, done for the year. So all it takes is one or two of these injuries to go down, and next thing you know, um, the team and the, the guidelines of that team and, and the projections of that team can be totally sent in a different direction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right Dutchie I think we covered the north pretty good there I know we wanted to go in depth uh, a little more than we did the NFC lease last week because it. it is a division we both like um, so that was great well done there um, let's move on to the uh, the MLB what, what a joke what an absolute disaster they are just in shambles right now so for the first time ever on our ginger and dutch podcast i actually had two or three uh challengers for my ginger's garbage and rob manfred was up there and i really seriously thought about having him as the ginger's garbage yeah. but uh i'll go in a different direction when we get back from break here but are they even going to play dutch yeah i think they're going to um, they have no choice. They can't afford to not go for every reason. I mean, you look all the way back um, to the last time when they had the strike, and it was 1994. Yep, was the the last season. Then they had the strike, and they stro they they lost 6,000 fans average per game. Whew. That was massive, and it's already so. Since then, obviously, it went back up, but it's in a huge decline right now. The, uh, this last season was the lowest since 2003 for attendance. This would destroy them if they can't cripple them, go back, yep. or if they don't go back. Um, he's. It sounds like he's about to basically demand them to go back, but he needs to get approval from. Um, I think it's 75% of the owners he needs to get approval. Yeah. And what I read today is that there's already at least six, maybe even eight owners 
that have already came out and said, let's not play. So you flip it. I think they're going to go back. The players, well, the two biggest stars, Trout and Harper, tweeted today. Say when and where. Yep. They're ready to roll. Yep, they're ready I to mean, go. Maybe they're speaking out and they're trying to just say, hey, here we go, and is this all, what is this? Is this all a bunch of posturing by what's going on? You, like, you nailed it. You right? nailed it right there, Dutchie. You nailed it. This is all just a big game and a big negotiation, and unfortunately, um, instead of baseball being able, able sorry, to celebrate and be the first one back, because they should be the first one back. We should be... Two, two and a half weeks away from, from opening day baseball, whether it be a 48, 52, whatever game season, I right. don't really care, but this is a summer pastime, whether you're into it deep or you're not, um, baseball is a part of North American life in summertime. Um, oh, for sure. You know, we're here live, and, and if we were here live in, in a regular summer, we'd probably have the baseball game on in That's the right. background. Yeah, it would be on the background. Um, and whether, you know, you're paying attention to it or not, but it's there, and it's a, just a part of your life, and it's just a damn shame that that Manfred and these these players can't get it figured out because you're right it's gonna just absolutely destroy them moving That's it. forward and they're losing years to come. they're losing every single day whether it's money or whatever it may be they're losing every day they're losing the respect from the fans you can see it um, it is a shame like you said of what they're doing and the people that have lost out are not just the fans are gonna lose out but what about the rookies only is it the fans that are losing out it's the the rookies from the draft. They went down from 40 rounds down to five. Okay, their signing bonuses. Everybody was at I think it was twenty thousand dollars. So in other words, they all lost. Like you're yep. talking guys that were three hundred thousand, three twenty, three more four hundred thousand for some of these bonuses. I was reading a little stat line on it, and they were showing it. But no matter where you got drafted in those five rounds, it, it's it's a twenty thousand dollar. That's it. That's yep. your max. So these guys have already lost out. They're the kids that are trying to get to the next level. These other guys, I understand the players. I understand where, where it's coming from, but something's got to give here, and they've got to figure it out because if they demand them to go back and all the owners agree and they demand them to go back, okay, well, that's great. Cue up a lockout, 2021. Yep. It's not going to happen. They're going to yep. strike, and, it'll be a just, and then, then it'll be it. It'll be done, and it'll take them years. I don't even know if they'll ever be able to recover from the from this if it happens again. Yeah, and that's that'll be like you said the the second time, potentially almost the third time if you consider 0708 with the with mm -hmm. the shortened mm -hmm. season mm -hmm. season in 25 years that they've had some sort of labor issue. Yeah, guys, figure it out. Um, you've got to figure out a way to do it, and. It's, it affects baseball through and through. Like we, I know I got a group of guys that I travel with, and, and we made it um, for five to seven years. Every single year we went and we would see a triple A game. We would see a double A game, you know, Scrant, yep. Scranton, Wilkes Bear, Syracuse. And, and, you know, we're up on the, on the northeast side here, but it's all over America, all these triple A teams. And when you cut a draft down like that, um, when these teams start to lose even more money, they can't support these minor league teams and and these small communities there where these teams are located. There's not enough gate revenue. There's not enough merchandise revenue. There's not enough beer sales 
to be able to pay these guys. That's and, right. And what's going to happen to all these players is they're probably going to go over to um, the, these Korean leagues, the Japanese leagues, which are great leagues, but why would they want their homegrown talent going elsewhere to play in another league overseas okay. um, to lose that? And then the MLB, five, six, seven, eight years down the road, is left fighting to get these guys back and having to spend more money to get them back into their league to generate more fans. Well, exactly, but I got one I got one more for you. Let's go down this road. What if they just stop trying to play baseball at a high level and when you have somebody that's got God-given talent and that is these in less than 1% and make all these professional sports. Who's to say that it doesn't start from uh, the kids' age, or when parents recognize talent, and then they go to, and baseball just starts to fall apart, and you're never going to see a product like what it is right now if this uh, this happens, because maybe these top athletes in high school get changed and play a different sport. Yep. And say, forget it. I, I'm not going through baseball because I don't want to deal with all the stuff because they don't have a they don't have a a league that operates like the other major sports. Yep. Yeah, they don't have the structure in place. They don't have the structure in place. They're paying, you know, they're they're obviously it's hundreds and billions of dollars here. So, but how can they not figure out a better system? Because there's enough money to go around for everybody if they do it properly, and they just haven't been able to figure it out. It's just like the friggin' rules. It's just like what we talk about with how how so stubborn they are because it's the you know. Old, old pastime and records and, and they don't want to change the game. We talk about it all the time. Yep. And it's bullshit. So, and that's why they're in the situation. You could, could you say cut their losses and let's move and cancel a season? Yeah. That's my opinion on it, but that I'm going to be a guy that's going to still watch sports because we always, that's that's why we're sitting here talking about it. Yeah, and there's going to be owners that are in that same boat, right? right. You look at some of these Tampa Bay uh, Rays, Baltimore Orioles, some of these obscure teams that aren't drawing big crowds because they've struggled for a few years now and they've, uh, you know, they're not a huge baseball market. Those are probably the owners that are voting to just shut it right down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Actually, you make a great point. Great point. There's a lot of owners that are losing a lot of money that would be making a lot of money right well, now. Yeah, you know the, the ones tops, that are, right? Of course. Yeah, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the that's Red right. Sox. They're big market teams and, yeah. and those support those teams and yeah. with the revenue sharing and all that stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah they just got to figure out a way to do it and, and enough with these bogus and uh, offers from the owners. Yeah. And enough from the posturing from the players. It says there's going to be no more so who knows what's going to happen here. It's, so, right? let's get it figured out. Well, I got a side note here, though. I wanted yep. to just talk real quick about the the Blue Jays and the draft. There, they uh, I'm not a big draft follower, but tons of our friends tweeted in and talked to us about um, Austin Martin. Yep, nice little pickup from the Blue Jays, right? Kid out of Vanderbilt. They, they you know, he was arguably could have went uh, one, two, three, mm-hmm. um, and they stole him out of the fifth round, or at least that's what they think. I know if you go on to the fifth pick, fifth sorry, pick. fifth pick. Yeah, yep. if you go into <laughs> You go into um, you know some of the American stations; they're really not talking about it. But I know we we are here. He, he's he could fit right in if they do get a short season. Do you think you'll see him up playing right away? I think you have to. I think if you're the Blue Jays, you cannot afford to, um, with the labor uncertainty, with the uncertainty between uh, players and owners, yep. that relationship falling apart in front of our eyes yeah um it's too important for the this young blue jay squad you yeah. got to get everybody up here yeah and you got to get them playing baseball at the top level no, i agree um, i agree let's hope they can sign them right yeah yeah and i think 
whether it be 48 games, 52 games, whatever it is, um, I don't think it'll be enough to tarnish anybody's confidence where it can affect them. Right. Um, I think it'll be more of an experience and to play at that top level and actually probably give them confidence. And who knows, because we're going to touch on this. Uh, we're going to touch on this, and let's hopefully in a, in a month, if they do go to baseball and they do start, we're going to be having this conversation. You know, start looking at their starting lineup. Start looking at on it if they get hot and they go on a ten and a row right. streak. You like, make it a team that could make the playoffs. That's right. You never thought could. And that's going to be a conversation for sure that we're going to get into. Awesome. Well, that's a great little topic and discussion there on on the MLB and how they're going to move forward. And and Dutch and I will follow that along the way here, as we uh, hopefully get closer to some sort of baseball. I know. NBA is wavering a little bit, and the NHL seems to be the only one standing strong here. So let's send us off the break there. When I get back, uh, I'm a little fired up. I'm going to get my ginger garbage going. And uh, we've got some other couple of great topics. want to touch on the PGA Tour, their first week back. And uh, enjoy the break, and we'll catch you on the other side. I cannot believe I got suckered into doing a break for ginger and Dutch this week. They must be getting pretty desperate to reach out to me. I feel kind of hypocritical doing this. Like, they aren't even my favorite ginger in Dutch. Andy Dalton is my favorite ginger. I like orange drank better than ginger, too. And, and Alistair Overeem is the best Dutch. And, oh, uh, I think I already started recording. And you better be listening to the Ginger and Dutch podcast, a real-life passion for real-life sports talk. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold Skinny said so. Oh, hell yeah. Time to throw out the trash. Welcome to Ginger's Garbage. All right, everyone. Welcome back from break. Thanks for listening so far. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And keep watching our weekly challenges. We're getting some amazing response. I think we're up to 700 on one of them and almost 500 for uh, for our basketball challenge that didn't go over so well. Um, so thanks for uh, thanks for watching uh, and keep uh, keep tuning in each week. Uh, Ginger, you uh, you got uh, what a nasty one here. Right? We're gonna keep it. Uh, we'll just keep it simple, but. I think it's time for some Ginger's Garbage. I'm ready to throw out the trash here, Dutch. You know what? I, I put a lot of thought into this. And you know me. I'm a pretty pretty forgiving guy. But Mr. Ray Cicerelli, I've done some reading on you, buddy, and I tried to forgive you, but I'm throwing you out to the garbage. NASCAR Truck Series refuses to fly the Confederate flag. Good for them. Way to be a leader. Get ahead of, on this topic and show your leadership. Ray Cicerelli decides that he's going to retire. Then he backpedals and says that it's not because they can't fly the Confederate flag, but it's because it's taken away their right to support what they want to support. Well, Ray, if both the Confederate flag and the U.S. flag stand for what they stand for at this current time, well, I'm throwing you out to the garbage, pal, because that's not standing with me. We need to get rid of this stuff, especially with NASCAR and all of that stuff happening down in the south. Mr. Ray Cicerelli, you're this week's Ginger's Garbage, and I'm throwing you to the trash. Dutch, thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Let's uh, move on to a little bit of a lighter topic here. Um, PJ Tour. Back. Awesome. First week back. Wasn't it great to see some golf. 
Um, you know, no crowds. What do you think? No, like, no crowds. A little bit weird, right? Sorry, but Jordan Spieth, man, you cost me some shackles again. I had faith in you going back to the old stomping grounds. He started off solid, and you could just see that he's it's just, he's just in his head. Golf is so mental, which brings you to what you just said. No fans. I thought that you wouldn't crumble under the pressure, but apparently that means nothing because you're still trying to win. You're still, you know, it's it's human. You cannot change it. So I was okay with no fans. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I mean, don't get me wrong. At the very end, uh, you know, they obviously they went to a playoff, and, you know, the end of it, it wasn't as exciting. But as a golfer, I, I, I kind of felt myself just watching it and I had it on the background. I wasn't like tuned right in like it was like a major or something like that, but it was it was okay. Yeah, and, and I, I quite liked it. I uh, I had it on, on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, I think you're bang on there. I think uh, it showed the fact that it's not always about the fans and the crowds, and I think these guys are so good at putting the blinders on um, on a week-by-week basis yeah. that I think it's uh, just purely about personal pressure and peer pressure of trying to perform for yourself, for your family, for your pride, and in front of your peers to show them that you're a world-class player. And I think uh, Shoffley, once again, the guy's rock solid, but he just doesn't seem to be able to finish it. Uh, Spieth's trying to get that confidence back, couldn't seem to finish it. And um, I know we wavered on our opinion when we hit, when we had uh, Savage Golf Services on there, but uh, when we did a, a few podcasts ago, we talked about um, somebody under the radar coming up here in the first couple weeks, and who better than Daniel Berger under the radar? Um, guys putting together a nice little career here, a little better than Jimmy Walker. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. but, uh, <laughs> well, they couldn't have picked a perfect uh, spot, right? Colonial, for anybody that watched even a stitch of it, it's a pretty wide open golf course for the most part. It's it's challenging, but you know the numbers were pretty good. There was a there was a ton of guys in double digits when it was all said and done. You know, lots of uh, you can hit it wayward and still keep your ball in play, um, which was which was kind of I think the way they wanted it to be. That's just my opinion. But it was kind of neat to see them in in some cool spots. Yep. You know, there was a few times when uh, when I was watching Rom on Thursday, there was a few times where he, you know, hit a country mile over where that would have been a grandstand or whatever, and they were talking about, oh, we haven't really seen anybody shoot from here before. Yeah. So it was kind of neat to just to see them g- get stuck with some really bad shots as opposed to, and I think that's why Colonial was a perfect fit for it. Yeah, and Colonial is that is that golf course. You know, you're not going to lose your ball in the hay or the, the heather or your, the hazard here or yeah. there, but... Um, you know, you're going to be blocked out by a tree, and you may have to um, MacGyver a shot. Um, you maybe have to go low, have to go high. You may have to work the ball left and right to, yeah. to be able to get back into play. Yeah. But you're not going to lose your ball. What I also liked was the PGA Tour using some technology. Uh, they had the drone out. Yeah, they did. The drone was cool. Yeah, yeah showing the, the slopes around the greens, yeah. the green complexes. So that was really cool. And when they were showing them walking, like when they were walking down the fairway and a drone was flying in there, it was really cool. But you know what? That wasn't the big topic of the, of, of the PGA this week. No. It, was, it wasn't even about Daniel Berger. People are going to forget Daniel Berger. Let's talk about the men right now that everybody's talking about. <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau. DeChambeau. We we should put up on our Facebook. Let's put up on Facebook. Let's put up on Facebook a before and after of Bryson DeChambeau. Pre-COVID, 
after COVID. I don't know who Bryson DeChambeau is. The, I thought that was Brian Urlacher. The play. dude gained 45 pounds. The dude is jacked. He is jacked. He, although I saw a reference, I saw a reference of him looking like Homer Simpson with a little bit of a bunch. He does he got a little, yeah. But he's so ripped, he's bulking. He was shitting on everybody. He was bombing it. Ten drives over 330 yards on Saturday. Um, he hit one 367, and we're not talking, this isn't elevation here. It's 367 yards. He's out driving Rory. He's out driving DJ. He's out driving all of them right everybody, now. Everybody, everybody. He's absolutely bombing it. Um, can it hold up? That that left knee looks like it's getting a lot of torque, but at this point, who really cares? It's fun to watch him. And, and he's, he's, if you see the, I saw a couple still shots of him. Dude. He's got the veins like Norman when Norman was playing in the Masters and that. And they showed a couple of uh, clips of him. He's swinging so hard that you can see the veins popping out. Like he's yeah. he's he's wants to murder the ball. He's holding his breath. It was really really neat to see because y you think that some of the other guys like your Brooks and and DJ and and those guys they're they're not necessarily lashing at the ball as much. Not to say Bryson's lashing at it, but he's just you can tell he wants to just destroy it. Yep. Yeah, and that's his approach. You can see that's his approach this year. Is I'm yeah. gonna the uh, a la VJ Singh year where he won ten times. Is I'm just gonna bomb it and get as close to the green as I can, yep. and worry about it afterwards. It's mad scientist. It's almost like you know, right? Look, he, look, he's got his own version. We all know he's only he's yep. got his own little brain. Talks about you know when he does his green green uh, reading, you know, with his irons being all the same, same length. Same length. His yep. putting stroke is horrendous, but <laughs> but it's there. I can't even watch it. I can't even watch <laughs> it, Dutch. Right. So, but. But, you know, you look at a, one of a Canadian legend, you look at Mike Weir, right? He was a head case as well, right? He won the Masters. He was one of the, well, he is arguably one of the best ever Canadian yep. golfers to play, being a lefty. But then when he got into some trouble and kind of fell fell off the, the, the grid, he got into the stack and tilt, and he got into a, all these different versions of trying to play golf, and, and he just never could get back to where he was. Yeah. And and I feel that with DeChambeau, you know, building up 45 pounds and just going all girth, this is his way of saying, I'm going to, just like you said, I'm going to drive you, man, and then I'll just chip it, and, and I'm going to be, well... Yeah. Like you said, I don't know if that's going to hold up, but it was fun to watch. It was really fun to watch, yeah. and you know what? Uh, this guy's done it his, his own way the whole way through, So, yep. and it's worked. Well, he's won. He's, he's won. won. And uh, yeah. can he win the big one? That time will tell, but uh, he's done it his own way the whole way through, and let's see if uh, it can hold up and if it's going to be successful on, on the tour. That's it. So we're ending off here, Dutchie. Uh, just wanted to uh, end it off with a little NBA talk. Um, I know our uh, our favorite Kyrie Irving has stirred the pot a little bit here over the last couple days um, with the NBA and the players and, and kind of uh, pretty much going behind Chris Paul's back as the president of the, the Players Association and, and kind of trying to rally the troops to uh, say that they're, they're not potentially going to come back and not agree to this whole uh, Disney... Um, quarantine and and playing out of Disney and and seeing what's going on there. So, what's um, LeBron want to do? Because that's all that matters. I heard today. Sorry to go into something totally different, but um, the raft the Raptors are allowed to uh, go down to Florida. They're going to be the only team going down to Florida. I believe it's starting next week, and uh, they're going to go down into Naples and play out of the or practice out of the uh, Gulf Coast. They're the only team in Phase One to go there. So. Kyrie Irving, I, go ahead and round up your your little cronies. Uh, the majority of these guys want to play, and until you hear from LeBron, they're going to go. 
and I don't think he's got. I don't think Kyrie's just put up or shut up, man. Like he he's he talks a talk, but let's see what ends up happening. I I think he's it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I, I don't think he's got enough of a following to no. try to. Uh, to try to make this official and and really have any sort of uh, of headway, and you know, t- to uh, to call out Kyrie like why why now why now you've been involved in this process the whole way through. Yep. Uh, you've been Chris Paul's right hand man. There's no need to go into it right at this point. You're right. And then all now all of a sudden you know you've been in all these discussions. You've been talking with all these players, all these owners, um, everybody from the NBA. You know what's the plan? Alda Adam Silver's done a pretty good job of, of leading the league. And then now all of a sudden, when we're getting close here, you're just going to turn around and say no. I don't want anything uh, to be involved in, and, you, and you're going to pull a boycott and try to round up 80 players on a conference call and be able to uh, make that happen. Oh, Dutchie's watching a little video here, eh? Beautiful. What do you got on there, Dutch? <laughs> uh, I put click the wrong button. That would have been too funny. There we go. He was trying to dial up an article there, but yeah, and that's that's my thought is I just don't think he's got enough clout within the league to be able to try to make it work to get these players to... Uh, to get on his side and, and refuse it. It just means too much to these guys. Um, their platform, they've got so big of a platform, especially with everything that's that's happening in North America here, um, separate from the prem- pandemic, and we all know what I'm talking about. It's just they can't afford to walk away from the money, can't afford to walk away from that platform. And they're um, not, and they're not going to. Because the time is now for, for a lot of these guys to make their greatest impact uh, in the NBA, yeah. um, in the world, and on a social level as well. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to. I don't think, like you said, Kyrie just doesn't have enough, enough pull. He's not even in the top 25 in my opinion as far as superstars and, and names in the league right now and I, I just I think there's just too many others that that want to play uh, for various reasons it looks like it's going to be safe you know um, you know I know there's been a ton of spikes in the states lately but it yeah. looks like they're going to be able to do it with the way they have everything set up so I don't know I uh I think he's crazy, and he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have even started talking. Yeah, I can't uh, can't argue in there on that one, Dutch. Dutchy, another great episode. Let's end it off there uh, before we fall too uh, deep down the uh, the rabbit hole here. But uh, a couple housekeeping items before we uh, to move on to this next episode next week. Make sure you're following us on all of our weekly challenges. Uh, we got another beauty coming up. Um, I'm in tight here, boys and girls. Uh, we're on to the baseball side, and uh, I can honestly admit... Uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, Dutch may have the advantage here, but hey, I still got the lead. I still got the golf challenge, so I'm up one nothing. so I can afford to give one up here. But check out that uh, baseball challenge coming up soon. Um, next week, Dutchie, we're moving over to the AFC. Where, are you Where do you want to go? You want to start in the south? Why not? We Let's start in the south and then work our way up, because we've got to finish off the last, the last of them... Uh, with your beloved Bills. So, yeah, let's start with the South. Okay, perfect. So we're going to the AFC South. That's uh, our uh, Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars, Indianapolis Colts, and Houston Texans. Our man Bill O'Brien and those Texans. So um, thanks again to all of our listeners out there. Make sure, once again, you're following us on all the social media outlets. And uh, thanks again to Callaway for their sponsorship. 
And uh, we're going to have some fun guests on here in the next uh, few weeks. We're looking forward to that. Dutchie, any closing thoughts before we end off? No, it was great doing it, uh, doing it live together. I think it went well, and I'm pumped for another week. So signing out for the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. I'm Ginger, and I'm Dutch.